As we continue our study in the book of Genesis and come to the seventh day, let's turn to Genesis chapter 2. And we'll read verses 1 to 3. Genesis chapter 2, 1 to 3. Can we all stand for the reading of God's word? Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Good afternoon, everybody. Today I woke up and I told myself, do not wear red, white, and blue, because that's corny. So I, I told myself, I will definitely not wear something as cheesy as red, white, and blue. Obviously, you guys know why. Uh, for the South Korean flag, of course. <laughs> and, <laughs> anyway, okay. But it's a wonderful holiday weekend. It's good to see you. I just wanted to begin, before we begin and continue Genesis, uh, we have new people here today. It's exciting, isn't it? It's like a... A fresh wind of fresh meat, I mean, uh, young, young blood coming through. Um, I'm just going to ask them to stand. We have co- incoming college freshmen. Why don't you all stand and, so that we can take a good look at you, and let's welcome them. And we have gifts for you, so why don't we give them these gifts? I think... Um, you can take a good look at them. But if you're a college freshman or any college student, we have small groups right after this. So please come. We'll get to know the college freshmen a little more. Uh, if you want to know what the gifts are, they are moleskins. Yeah. I, I think I told somebody this, and they, they said, why do you spoil college students? And I said, what? They're just, they're like 50 cents. No, they're not. They're, they're, they're legitimate. Also, Eugene mentioned this. If you missed it, uh, we had a pivotal, um, very key turning point in our ministry. And last Sunday, we had elections for elders and deacons. Going forward, we want to be an independent church, so we had elections. And the two people that were elected... Uh, elders are Jubin and Sung. In case you don't know who they are, can I just point them out to you? Jubin and Sung, can you just uh, stand up or raise your hand? They're, they're, they are right in the back. Uh, they're our bodyguards, our elders to be. And um, we have two deacons that were voted in. James, can you take a stand? And Priscilla, who's in the back as well. Let's just congratulate them. You know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to be an elder or a deacon. You can ask any deacon, and sometimes out of frustration, they might be like, oh, it's too much. But honestly, it's because the the Lord convicts our hearts, and then as we work, a joy springs that could not have been there otherwise is why we do work for God. And so let's continue to keep them in prayer. I told the KM, um, because we are not independent yet, this election that we had still needs to get approved by the KM. And so 
until we become independent, this is the process that we need to take. So when that day comes, I will let you know. And then we could all go down and kind of vote with the KM too. But, um, you know, if I think when I told the KM and I told Pastor Yang, their immediate response was like, wow, the EM is so good. Like you, your nominating committee nominated two people and then you just voted in? There's no drama? And of course I lied. I said, no drama, Pastor Yang. <laughs> no, there was no drama. I'm kidding. There's no drama. Um, and, you know, they were, they were just surprised that, wow, you actually trust your nominating committee and, you know, you just you trust that they prayed through, fasted through, and elected these leaders for you. And, and I think that's basically, yeah, that is it. And if you are new to our whole polity and the system, you've only been in our church for maybe a few years, that's okay. That's okay. My encouragement to you is get involved early. You know, when we start picking the nominating committee is when you can start getting involved. Ask questions, you know. Ask, like, how do you guys pray? How do you guys, what, what is your criteria, you know? How, how do you pick, you know, what, what's the actual um, the rules and regulations for electing people? And so get, get involved early and pray with us. And I, many of you have, and so I'm very thankful for that, very thankful. And I'm so happy that we have uh, two um, electees for eldership and for deacons as well. We're continuing on the book of Genesis, and then we've, we've come to the end of creation. I know it says chapter 2, but it's still part of creation. And the beauty of this is, and I said last week, um, you know, the, the creation of Man and woman, it's like the climax. And the reason why I said that is because it's like a song. It's like a song. In a song, there's an opening. So we had our opening. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We had our opening. And then you have the verses of a song. And then you have the verses, the chorus, the wisdom of God inside this song. Then you have the climax of the song, which is powerful, it's strong, it's meaningful, it's deep. And now we have the finale. Each part, if you want a good song, each part has to be good. You can't neglect any part. You can't just focus on the climax, you can't just focus on the opening, you can't just focus on just one thing, but each part has to be beautiful. And, and, and you see in this song of creation, God puts this as the finale, the Sabbath. You know, Jewish rabbis teach that the Sabbath, Sabbath is one of the best known and yet least understood of all Jewish observances. The Sabbath is one of the best known. Everybody talks about the Sabbath. Oh, we know Sabbath, but it's the one of the least understood. And so we want to look into these, this passage, those three verses, and out of the three verses, I want to talk about three things. And number one is the Sabbath discloses something about God. The Sabbath discloses something about God. Number two, the Sabbath discloses something about the world, about us. And number three, the Sabbath discloses something about our relationship with God. God, the world, and our relationship with God. 
So number one, the Sabbath discloses something about God is completion. You know, God finishes and completes the work he started. This is what we can learn from this passage. God consummates his work in creation through the Sabbath. Consummate is also used when we're talking about intercourse, and that's to seal a marriage ceremony. You make a marriage ceremony complete by consummating it in sexual intercourse. In our culture, we have it backwards, don't we? We, we, we have it backwards because even before the marriage process begins, we have, it's, it's, it's normal to have uh, sexual intercourse. But the actual meaning to consummate is to bring into completion. That's why we say it, to consummate a marriage is to finally have sexual intercourse. And so consummate means to bring into completion, but it means something even deeper than that. The word consummate means to bring into perfection. So when God created the heavens and the earth, he created all the living things, and then he created humankind, he finishes and makes it complete, makes it perfect by saying, now is the Sabbath. Now is the Sabbath. God consummates his work in creation through the Sabbath. And you see, the character of God is shown here that he will finish and perfect the work that he starts. And he will not fail. In Philippians 1, 4 to 6, it says, In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it onto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, it says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and not lose heart. You see, God starts a work, and you see here that he will complete it. And sometimes we don't feel that way, do we? You know, we've been told, you go to retreats, you've been told, God has started a work in you. He is the author and perfecter of your faith. But where are you right now? How is your life right now? Even when I talk about consummation, does your heart kind of go, oh, I am a sinner. Where is your heart right now? And sometimes we don't believe it. Sometimes we're like, I don't know. Can God really complete it? But even in the very beginning of creation, he is showing us that he is the finisher of our faith. He will complete the work that he started. And guess who started the work in you? It wasn't you. It wasn't me. It was God. And God will complete the work that he started. This shows the character of who he is. And that is why we can respond in worship. That is why we can come with a genuine heart of confession and say, God, I am not all that. I stumble all the time and I hate it because when I stumble, guess what happens? People get hurt. People lose heart. 
people are confused. Relationships get broken and it seems that it can never be mended again. How can I mend what was broken? You can't. You can't. And yet here the promise of God is with us. That he will complete the work that he began in you. So don't lose heart. Number two, Sabbath discloses something about the world, and that's rest. First was completion, and now it's rest. Sabbath means rest. I encourage you to look at this report. It's the Nielsen Company Audience Report. It was released this past Monday, and it reveals that adults in the United States, it says a lot of things, but adults in the United States devote 10 hours and 39 minutes in consuming media, that means staring at screens, right? 10 hours and 39 minutes a day we are spent consuming media, staring at a screen. It means tablets, smartphones, personal computers, multimedia devices, video games, radios, DVRs, DVDs, TV, sure. But what does this mean? That means we can't get unplugged. More and more, it's like, I can't let go of my phone. And then a challenge I gave uh, a few weeks ago is, I dare you, I dare you, to leave your phone, to leave your wallet, to leave your keys, and then just walk out the door of your house and just take a walk. (laughs) See how you feel. Like, first anxiety sets in, it's like, I'm sure someone's going to text me, they'll be mad because I didn't text them back. It's like, what are you doing? Are you ignoring me? Anyway, but we're so plugged in now, so hard to get unplugged. We're so plugged in that even we demand an instant reply from everyone at every moment. When I text somebody, it better be iMessage or Kakao because I know that's instant. And I know when they read it because that one is there or is not there. And it says delivered or not read. Those, that kind of there. If, if it says read and they don't respond, that's rude. That's rude. <laughs> if that one disappears and there's no response, you're rude. So I make it a point to, to have it as a notification and then just, just get rid of the notification. It's like, oh, I, I didn't read. Actually, I don't do that to you guys, of course. To other people, other people. But there's no rest in our society. We're constantly bombarded by information. And it's not even accurate. It's not even accurate. Our social media accounts only show the highlights of one day, one week, one season, whatever. And however brief or short that moment is, it's plastered on our walls, our grams, our boards for the long term. But is that reality? Is that accurate? You know, I challenge families too. You know, once you have a fight and then you feel like crap and you hate your spouse, why don't you take a selfie and put that on Facebook? Why don't you take a gram and then see how many hearts you get? No one does that. Because to them, that's, that's, not, what, that's not the image they want to show. It's when, we're at, when I'm at the beach and I starve myself six weeks. Not that I would do that. When I'm at the beach... <laughs> I starved myself six weeks, so I take that one good photo. The 49th try is the best. 
And we, we want to kind of show that's our reality. But it's not. It's not. We want to achieve more. Look at that guy. He seems like he's doing fantastic at work. Every post that he puts up, it's like amazing. Look at her touring the world. I got to get up on that. I need a piece of that kind of action. But what has happened in our society, especially with our millennial generation, what has happened is that instead of being more efficient, we are now more anxious. Isn't that true? We're more anxious than ever. Looking at someone's touring or success stopped making us happy after a while. It made us anxious. We become more resentful. It's like this guy. Such a fake this girl definitely just drank lemon water. Like such a fake. And we're definitely more impatient and irritable. Kevin DeYoung puts it this way. We are so busy with a million pursuits that we don't even notice the most important things slipping away. We're so busy with our millions of pursuits that we don't notice the most important things slipping away. Busyness is killing us, and the Bible is showing us how to defend ourselves from this monster. It's rest. On the seventh day, we, who are made in God's image, we are meant to rest. We need to Learn to put away our devices. We need to realize there is no chill with Netflix. We've convinced ourselves that we need these things to provide proper rest. I need this for my rest, Pastor Eugene. Don't you get it? But they do not. They take away our rest. They increase our cares for the world. And Jesus talks about this when he talks about the parable of the sower and the seeds. Guess what this is? We've become the soil with the thorns on the side. And even though the word wants to grow, the cares of this world crush it. So even when we're listening to the word, we're reading the Bible, we're hearing a sermon, all we can think about is what is for lunch after service. I wonder what people think about this. My OOTD. If you don't know what that means, that means you're old. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding because I'm old too. I have to look it up. Google is your friend. But it means outfit of the day. But all we can think about is I need to do a million things before Monday hits. And that's how we come into service. That's how we, start, we try to enter Sabbath rest. And my brothers, my sisters, that is a lie. There are thorns growing up on side of you, killing you. Killing the word from growing and producing fruit. If I don't do this before Monday, if I don't get in my TV show, if I don't get in this game, if I don't hang out with these people, I'm going to rage. That's how we respond now. I made the point before that even vacations... And you're all here, so that's amazing. 
especially considering our culture. But honestly, vacations tire you out. I think I took one vacation. I I was here for eight years and I decided to take one vacation and honestly, I was more tired afterwards. (laughs) Vacations even tire us out now. But I had to go here, right? I had to visit this place, right? We have to go to these places, right? Because everyone in their lifetime, at least one time, needs to go to blank, needs to do blank. It's called the bucket list, isn't it? Bucket lists are for those who have no hope in heaven. Bucket lists are for those who have no hope in heaven. Christians have lists but they are not bucket lists. They have places they like to visit and things they like to do, but nothing compares with the hope that we have in Jesus. Nothing compares to knowing that he will come again one day and he will restore everything the way it should be and heaven is going to blow this place out of the water. We do not know how to rest anymore. So much so that Jesus had to come down and show us what Sabbath was about. You know, we made rules. We made lists, and yes, bucket lists, about resting. But there is no rest for the weary because we have forgotten what the Sabbath was truly about. The Sabbath discloses something about our relationship with God and the word is holy and the Bible says he separates it and calls it holy God separates the Sabbath from every other day and he calls it holy in Exodus chapter 20 verse 11 it says well verse 8 to 11 says remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy Six days you shall labor and do work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you, shall, you won't do any work. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he says, In six days he made the heavens and the earth, and the seventh day he rested. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath, made it holy. The completion of this work is so that we can focus on the Creator. You work six days so that at the seventh you can remember who really provided you with all that you have. Deuteronomy chapter 5.15 says, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord God brought you out and there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. You know, the Sabbath is so that we can be free from the bondages that keep us. You know, in the past, the Greeks thought that the Jews were lazy because they insisted on taking a holiday once a week. The Sabbath, like other Jewish observances, showed that they also had a covenant with God. God separated them. That's what it means to be holy, to separate. God separated them from the rest of the world. And in New Testament times, We Christians celebrate the Sabbath on the Lord's Day. We don't do it on Saturday. We do it on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday. And the reason being is that Jesus' resurrection changed everything, everything. And even how we observe 
the Sabbath. And the Lord's Day, of course, we know is Sunday. Jesus rose again on a Sunday. So here are some verses, and if you can't write it down or you want to remember it later, it's on the recording. We have it in our podcast. But it's Revelation 1, 10, Acts 27, 1 Corinthians 16, 2. And here we see the Christians, the first Christian church, doing some things on Sunday. What did they do? Number one, they gathered. They gathered together. This is why we gather together on Sabbath, on Sunday. The Christians gathered together, and it was so important that they gathered together. They made a point to do it every Sunday. They gathered together, and they broke bread. And this is why I think fellowship is so important. You know, when we get outside, we just don't talk about all the, the, the six days of work, the things that happen in the six days. We don't talk about other things, but when we gather together and we break bread and we have fellowship, we talk about what God has done in our lives. What has God done for you this week? Isn't he worthy of praise and worship? Hasn't he been good to you? Hasn't he kept you? Hasn't he protected you and blessed you? We read, we teach, and we study scripture. And we take offerings. You know why it is we gather on Sundays to keep the Sabbath holy? It's to remind us that true rest is found in Jesus. If someone is inclined to work on a Sunday and they claim to be Christian, we have to ask, who is it you're worshiping and not keeping the Sabbath? And this is so hard. This is such a difficult statement to say. Because we are now in a society that has gone actually backwards too. Where remember I said the Greeks used to call the Jews lazy for insisting on a holiday? Now we have workplaces that insist that you work on a Sunday. Because the world still turns on a Sunday, does it not? But if we, as Christians, continue to insist on not taking Sabbath, I'm telling you, it's your soul that gets drained. Because what we are specifically saying is we have a covenant with God. That is why I take this day off. And Jesus even says, no one can serve two masters. You will hate one, love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. This is profound because you can't serve both God and yourself. There are sacrifices that need to be made. Pleasuring yourself also can be an idol. It's all about me day. It's all about making sure I can be pleasured and I can feel good. Whatever it is, whatever it is, physically, mentally, emotionally, making sure I feel good. And then you maintain the position that I am my highest priority. Isn't that what we kind of teach also? I am the, make sure you're okay, you guys, because you are your highest priority. The Sabbath reminds us that that's not true, that the highest priority is God, because they were once slaves, and now they are free, the Israelites. We were once slaves, and now we have been set free. The Sabbath 
points to Christ. In Colossians 2.16, talking about the Sabbath, in verse, it goes to verse 17, it says, these are a shadow of things that were to come, the Sabbath. These are a shadow of things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The only way to find true rest is to follow Christ. In Christ, we can have true joy and delight, knowing that our Creator exalts over us. He dances over you. He made us in His image, and it wasn't by accident. He made us in His image, and when we sinned, He didn't go, oh, oh well, I want to take it back. We were meant to live and meant to have the Imago Dei. The only way then to really please God and to really fulfill the purpose of why we've been created is to surrender our pride and to receive the freedom that is in Christ. The Sabbath was meant to bring blessing to those that seek him and that want to delight in God. And sometimes we don't get that, do we? And sometimes we're like, really? Really? You know, I visited um, my cousin yesterday, and he has two beautiful children. And toward, you know, because I don't visit them often, um, it was kind of like, who is this guy, you know, in in my house, the kids? And afterwards, you know, you just want to kind of play with them, just want to be a nice uncle to them, that kind of thing. Afterwards, they get familiar with your face, and then they pull you aside and said, oh, let's throw the ball around. It's like, yes, you know? And sometimes I would throw the ball, and he would catch it. And I'd be like, yeah, great job. And sometimes I would throw the ball, and he wouldn't catch it. What did I do? I yelled at him. I said, you suck. No, I didn't. I didn't do that. That's my point. My point is I didn't do that. And God, the creator, doesn't do that to us. The Sabbath is so that we can spend time with him. And the point is that I love spending time with my nephew. And this time is so that we can love spending time with him. We gather together as children of God to worship him, to spend time with him. That is when there's joy and God exalts over you. Let's pray. And as you pray, this is the question I'd like to ask is, what is it that holds you down and keeps you from accepting Sabbath rest today? What is it that holds you down and keeps you from accepting Sabbath rest today? Isn't it time you surrender? Surrender it at the foot of the cross and follow Jesus. Surrender it at the foot of the cross and follow Jesus.